Welcome to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson with Justin Spears and Ali Farhang on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4, ESPN Tucson. Brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Happy Monday. Welcome to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4, ESPNTucson.com, the ESPN Tucson mobile app, and the Spears and Ali podcast. I'm Justin Spears. Here with the guy, Ali Farhang, wearing a Barry Sanders jersey. Yeah. Happy Monday to you, Ali Farhang. Buddy? Yeah, I brought my Barry Sanders jersey and uh, with the weather outside. Also, I had to break out my umbrella, Ella, Ella. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, my hey. God. <laughs> Ali was Come on. Ali was driving on the way here. Like, I'm, that's going to be useful He today. was watching the Super Bowl halftime show and knew that that was going <laughs> to be what his joke was. As soon as I saw the rain this morning, I'm like, got my first joke okay. lined up for the day, baby. <laughs> Great Super Bowl halftime show, Amazing. by the way. She did a great job. Um, really enjoyed Rihanna. And, you know, she said that she was going to uh, bring a guest, right? But she was doing an, inter- an interview. I think it might have been with Nate Burleson or it was with somebody. But she said that she was probably going to bring a guest. And that guest turned out to be another baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pregnant again. Good so for her. She not did getting a great that album. job. And, uh I thought it was amazing, and you know, we were you and I were talking off the air, and we saw this, I think, on Twitter. Very surprising that none of the performers that perform at the halftime in the NFL get paid. No, they they want to be there for their own, you know, building their own brand, and it it does manifest economically for them. But the NFL gets fifty million fifty million dollars a year by Apple to sponsor it, but they only give about a thirteen to fifteen million dollar budget to put it on and pay the dancers and everything. Yeah. Most of those uh, those performers, they actually put their own money in. So yeah. I'm going to tell you, I did not know that before the Super Bowl. Well, and I I think that, like you said, even though that they're not getting paid for it, the streams, because it, is it safe to say that Rihanna is probably the most downloaded artist on Apple and Spotify right now? Oh, absolutely. And then, you yeah. know, like uh, the weekend's appearance fee for a concert went from a half a million to a million. Yeah. Just based off the Super Bowl. But, you know, from Dr. Dre to Michael Jackson and everybody in between, man, NFL, sage business mm-hmm. uh, entity, that league. Yeah, they Prince, too, Prince, yeah. in New York while it was raining. Yeah, everybody. Biblical yeah. stuff. But like you said, you know, like the if you want to have a commercial, uh, it costs for 30 second spot during a Super Bowl. It costs you seven million dollars. Yeah. And these performers get a basically 15 minute commercial for themselves. So. It kind of makes sense, actually. Absolutely. And a lot of people were assuming that Rihanna was probably going to bring out a guest. Because last year, even with the the hip-hop artists that you knew were going to be a part of the halftime show, you still saw uh, Big Boy come out. He was a surprise guest. And so when Rihanna pulled out all of the lights, I was like, oh, no. Please don't tell me Kanye West has got to come out here. And sure enough, he wasn't. And then she did Run This Town, another Kanye song, but Jay-Z was a part of it. And I thought, oh, man, Jay-Z's there. He's going to come out and do it. And no. And then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? Rihanna's like, no, no, no. This is about me. This yeah. is my halftime show. Yeah. I'm not going to have any guests. I'm going to go out here and show everyone that I got all this great music. And I enjoyed it. It was oh, cool. I mean, hit I also after enjoyed the game. hit after hit. I mean, it was, yeah. Yeah. She but, even hit you with the pump fake, too. She was about to do one song and then went into another one. I, I was like, oh, man. It's incredible threat. by Rihanna. Triple threat that Rihanna. Good stuff. But uh, great game, too, by the way. Not, it, I know by that, the way, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know it was a Rihanna <laughs> yeah, concert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. 
the Super Bowl itself was unbelievable. Super Bowl 57, that's pretty much going to be the, the main topic for today's show, along with uh, some Arizona basketball. Our guest lineup for today, uh, we have Bruce Pascoe from the Arizona Daily Star joining us at 325. And then uh, Corey Williams, who's on call for the Arizona-Stanford game, uh, he will call in and provide us his takeaways at 425. And then uh, we'll discuss uh, some NBA as well get a look on the Western Conference after the NBA trade deadline. Talk about the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, Tubi, I hate you so much. <laughs> well I, done, though. I, Everybody's I, talking about it. I got up and Mission grabbed accomplished. my Everybody's, remote. Everybody knows what Tubi is right now. I mean, so other I than hate that. hate you. hate you. What do you overall? The commercials, underwhelming to me. I didn't think they were that great. Uh, the, the Popcorners commercial with the Breaking Bad guys, I thought were pretty that cool. That was pretty good. Yeah. The, the flag football, uh, like the girl running – Mm-hmm. Through Cam Hayward and everybody. Yeah. And then uh, and just because I, I thought that was good. And the other one I liked was, uh, you know. Stu Dog. Just because you call yourself a rock star doesn't make you a rock star with Paul Stanley from Kiss. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Anything and with Paul Osborne. Stanley from Kiss is good with me. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll talk simple, man. Super Bowl commercials plus Trent Dilfer said what on the Bullies of Baltimore 30 for 30. Say what? Yeah. He he said something that kind of disrespected the current era of quarterbacks. Kind of sounded very, very bitter. But uh, we'll, we'll talk to um, Corey Williams, Bruce Pascoe coming up later on. But let's get right to it. Top three headlines heading into today. One. One. Super Bowl 57, Ali. Kansas City Chiefs getting it done over the Philadelphia Eagles. 38-35. to 35. Patrick Mahomes was named Super Bowl MVP completing 21 for 27 passes. Pretty efficient there. Uh, for 182 yards. Now, considering the kind of player Patrick Mahomes is, 182 yards is a little bit underwhelming. But, man, he stepped up, and he showed that he's the greatest quarterback in football right now. And when his knee, when his team absolutely needed him down the stretch, he was hobbled. But, man, he did whatever it needed to be done. Not just passing the football, Lee, but there was a, a run there late in that game where he picked up, I think, about 20 or so yards. And I looked like he was about to run into the end zone, but then he got stopped uh, near the goal line. That was, to me, an all-time incredible moment by Patrick Mahomes. And we talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has taken his team to five straight AFC championships. Now he's got two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, and he's only 27 years old. This guy is just getting started. Uh, With that being said, on the other side... You know, I thought Jalen Hurts played a fantastic game. He did. I don't know if you noticed this, but he changed his cleats, wore uh, different types of Jordan cleats throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, which was, I, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. The playing surface was uh, a lot to be desired. A little disappointing that, uh, and both teams were complaining about it. You, you saw a lot of guys slipping yesterday. Yeah. That's, that's too bad. Yeah. For a Super Bowl field. But I thought Jalen Hurts. I thought he played awesome. He I mean, did. 27 for 38, 304 yards, led the team in rushing with 70 yards. And he also had uh, three rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown. If the Philadelphia Eagles win that game, he's their MVP. But a lot of people are talking about the passing interference or the holding call late in the game. I thought it was the right call. Listen, I know that that penalty had a a little bit of an impact on the game. But also the 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 turnover for a touchdown also had an impact on the game too. Of course. And, you know, so, when the DB comes out and says, yeah, I held him. What are we talking about? Yeah. I mean, Bradbury said, yeah, I held him. Yeah. And you hate for – it was the right call. You hate for that penalty to be called at that time. But uh, completely uh, overrated 
as far as that being a discussion point for that Super Bowl. Yeah. Because Kansas City would have still kicked the field goal, and would Philadelphia have been able to come down? Look, it was all in Philadelphia's hands, and you know, it, at one point it was 27-21 going to Patrick Mahomes' uh, passing yards mm-hmm. uh, in the third quarter. At that point, the Philadelphia Eagles had run 60 plays. Kansas City had run 30. Philadelphia had a, a almost a 12-minute time of possession uh, advantage over Kansas City. Yeah. And <clears throat> look, man, if you want to really dive deep into this game, it comes down to this. Everybody talked about that fearsome front line of the, uh, the Philadelphia defense. Kansas City's offensive line neutralized them. Now, and one sack. Where was, where was that vaunted defense? If Philadelphia wants yeah. to point any fingers, it's, that's, you're going to have to point it to the one yeah. side of the ball that's been getting it done all year. They yeah. just did not show up yesterday. Well, and last week, all last week, I, I said that the more I think about this game, the more that I'm leaning towards the Philadelphia Eagles because – their offensive line, I mean, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Miloto, like all those guys are just so good. They protect Jalen Hurts, and we, and we even saw that last night a little bit too. Um, but on the other side, I just I, I looked at Philadelphia and how they performed in the playoffs this year, and maybe they just beat up on inferior NFC teams. Well, maybe the NFC is not as good maybe, as I mean, the AFC. Look, there's, one, there's two things that made and they changed benefited. a lot of my bets last week. I went a lot of Kansas City plus three and a half. You saying you were going for Philadelphia was the most important thing for me to hear. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Fade Spears. Costanza. Number two was <laughs> that if you look at the Eagles' schedule, they had like the third easiest schedule in the NFL. And let's look at who they played in the playoffs. The New York Giants. Okay, it was a good yeah. story, but it's the New York Giants. And then uh, basically a San Francisco uh, 49ers team with its eighth quarterback. They had to go wildcat at yeah, the end of the game. Exactly. <laughs> so, look, man, I thought the best team won last night. And, yeah. you know, Philadelphia played great. Kansas City played great. Uh, there are some p- points in the game. It could have gone either way. In the most important moments, Kansas City made the plays and Philadelphia didn't. And, unfortunately – uh, the Eagles' offense wasn't able to replicate what they did in the first half and the second half, and Kansas City got it done. I was sipping the Kool-Aid a little bit. I was sipping the, the Philadelphia Eagles' pass rush, and I thought, yes, Tooney, one of their their guard, he's he's pretty solid. I thought the the Kansas City Chiefs had an okay offensive line, but I thought, man, this is going to be the toughest pass rush and defense they're going to face all year long. And it wasn't. And. Zero sacks. There, there was one sack in the on entire game. On a hobbled game. quarterback. Yeah, there was one sack in the entire game, and it's when yeah. Kansas City got it when Jalen Hurts ran out of bounds uh, a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Both teams' offensive lines did a great job. And if you listen to the Kansas City Chiefs' offensive linemen after the game, they're like, oh, we heard for two weeks how we were not up to the challenge of Philadelphia's defensive line. And they took it personal, man. Uh, and, uh, man, I don't know how Andy Reid is not your favorite coach. Because, first of all, he's an offensive genius. He, he ran the same play twice for t- touchdowns, where the receiver comes in motion, goes inside, then goes outside, threw one touchdown to Kadarius Toney for that, yeah. another one to Sky Moore. The name of that play is called Corndog. <laughs> Amen. And I love this guy. And I'm like, oh man, how has Justin Spears not got an Andy Reid poster in his? I need, room? I need it. Man loves a good cheeseburger. Yeah. Man is naming plays after corn dogs. Andy Reid, the best. 
It, okay, the so Eagles got corn dog twice, and it yeah. worked, and they got lost in the defensive backfield. That doesn't yeah. sound. My right last takeaway. What? That doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, my I, it didn't. I didn't intend it to sound good. <laughs> I, and the last thing I'll take away is I love the guy. He got me four Super Bowls with my Steelers. Terry Bradshaw needs to retire. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, because you're on the you're on the trophy stand, and you tell Andy Reid, who just won his second Super Bowl, to waddle on over here. That's not that's not cool, man. That is not cool. I didn't hear that. And by the way, Terry, I didn't hear that. Have you looked in the mirror lately? I didn't hear that. Oh man, Terry, Terry, you know, there's a kettle and there's a pot, and they're both the same they color. Should. You could use to lose some lbs and, and eat a salad once in a while yourself, brother. Is Are there uh, any buildings still standing in Glendale after? yesterday in all of phoenix uh by the way being at the wasted management open and then seeing like the super i mean i don't know how phoenix a lot even... of people at waste management even on sunday like the like right when the the final guys were finishing oh yeah there's so, still a bunch of people there a lot of helicopters flying from the waste management open <laughs> to the super bowl and wow. you want to know after the game last night 200 private jets flew out of phoenix wow super wow bowl, big money big money event man that's why the cheapest ticket is five grand Insane. Yeah. Happy for your guy, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, by the way. Me too. Getting a Super Bowl. I always love Juju, man. Yeah. Yeah, good for him, man. Well, Juju and also with the Steelers most recently, uh, Kadarius Toney with the Giants. Like, these guys who went to the Kansas City Chiefs and lightning in a bottle, they they win a Super Bowl in in their first season. Or Melvin Melvin Gordon winning a Super (laughs) Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Melvin Gordon, like the – just the, the, the 13th guy on the bench on your high school basketball <laughs> state championship team that never got in and is, like, holding the trophy. Yeah. Yeah. That Didn't was... even put shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll talk more about the uh, Super Bowl coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And Sabino's uh, um, own Matt Bushman. Matt Bushman. Super Bowl champion. Been with the Chiefs practice squad all season long, getting a Super Bowl. Good for him. Congrats for him. Yeah. All right. Let's go to headline number two. 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 Arizona Wildcats. Losing to the Stanford Cardinal on Saturday, 88-79. to Arizona's seven-game winning streak comes to an end. It's the first time Arizona's lost to Stanford at Maples Pavilion since 2009. Russ Pinnell was the interim head coach at the time, Ollie Farhang. Yikes. So, oh, great guy, Russ Pinnell. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the best. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a while since Arizona's lost to Stanford at Maples Pavilion. Uh, but Arizona uh, against Stanford, it was... A little surprising to me, Azulu Stubelis scored in single digits. First time all season that he didn't score in double figures. Yeah, I got in foul trouble. I uh, got in foul early. trouble. Yeah. Um, Look, man. The Wildcats were outscored by Stanford 42 to 24 in the paint. That's a stat you never hear when it comes to Arizona, especially against a team with a losing record like yeah. Stanford. I was surprised. Not good. Earlier this year, Justin, about three weeks ago, I had a 16 parlay. And it all, it all hinged on Stanford beating a team called Chicago State. <laughs> and Chicago State was giving everything to Stanford. And it was like a five-point game at the end of the game. Stanford came back and won. They were down by 10. And I'm like, come on. This is seven and a half? Yeah. Easy money. But how many shots did the Cardinal make at the buzzer, at the shot clock? I mean, and nothing but net. It was just one of those days, man, where the other team just came out pumped. I mean, it's the again, Arizona goes to places like Cal or Stanford, Oregon, any most of the other Pac-12 schools. It is the highest attended games for those teams at home. Yeah. And it was the case again Saturday against Stanford. It was also the case against Cal at, in Berkeley. 
Stanford just played a great game, and uh, <clears throat> they made some shots that I don't think they. Sh- I wish they would have seen some of the shots they made because it was like so. Like I think they were shooting with their eyes closed. Yeah. Well, Courtney Ramey, he had a pretty good day shooting the ball. He did. Uh, had a career high of three pointers, made eight of them. Uh, I think the school record is nine. Wow. Uh, I think Salim Stoudemire and Gabe York have that record, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Courtney Ramey had eight three pointers in that game, and I thought it was awesome. Had 26 points. And really kept Arizona in that ball game. And the Wildcats, it, during this winning streak, ever since they changed up the lineup, they haven't really trailed teams. Uh, it was the first time since Oregon on Thursday last week that they trailed in a game. And it was the opening minutes of that game. Yeah. Against uh, Oregon State, against Cal, they've led the entire way. So they've been pretty dominant. But every dog has their day. Can I and, give a clue to all Arizona fans how a game's going to go? You need to read the scouting report that Bruce Pascoe puts out uh, in the Arizona Daily Star, also the Wildcaster. Thank you for your uh, download. Shout yeah, out. Shout out at Justin Spears on Twitter. And um, <laughs> Ricky Foyce, the assistant coach, if you read his scouting report, everything he said was absolutely accurate. So before I bet from now on, I'm going to follow the scouting reports. Good news for Arizona, though. I know we talk about Azulis Tubelis and Umar Balo being this great tandem together. Late in that first half, Arizona went to a small ball lineup yeah. where Pella Larson and Cedric Henderson were the two front court guys. And they won on a 13-0 run. So just saying, like, these things matter if you, when you need to adapt in certain situations. Arizona so. will be okay. Yeah. Let's not lose our minds. Um, Stanford just, like I said, they didn't see half the shots they took that went in. <laughs> so it's, you know, good, good for yeah. them. Uh, can't wait for you to watch us in March while you're in Cancun. <laughs> And after getting clobbered by Stanford, the Arizona women's basketball team, bouncing back against the Cal Golden Bears at McHale Center on Sunday, Esmeri Martinez got her 1,000th career rebound, and the Wildcats uh, split the series against the Bay Area schools. That's not the most yeah. important news with women's basketball. What's that? Two more bobblehead games. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're bringing out bobbleheads. I can't remember for which player, but two of the players. Is it Kate Reese and, like, Shayna Pennington? No, I don't think so. Actually, kind of, I was a little surprised. Poyo? Oh, Helena Poyo. Helena yeah. Poyo, maybe. I don't remember. I saw okay. it. But yeah, there will be – there are more bobbleheads to be had in women's basketball. So <laughs> that's, that's line really cool. up early, baby. Line up early. All right, let's go to headline number three. 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 Headline number three, the Phoenix Suns take down the Indiana Pacers, but they also add Terrence Ross over the weekend. Terrence Ross, uh, he was in the, the buyout market. The famous poet? And no, Terrence Ross? It, 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 he doesn't sound like a famous poet. No, he, he writes an am, am, uh, iambic pentameter. That's... No, he's played in the NBA for a little while now, and he's a, a really good scorer. I don't necessarily think he's a true point guard. I would like to see the Phoenix Suns get someone outside of campaign to be a backup point guard for them. Russell Westbrook? Um, oh, my goodness. Could you imagine? No. Uh, I mean, it would may, be I think awesome. Reggie Jackson... Yeah. would be a huge pickup for the Phoenix Suns. But they get Terrence Ross, uh, a big-time scorer, coming off the bench for them. When you got Kevin Durant, I think the Phoenix Suns are putting together quite an interesting team. And Matt Ishbia is showing that, man, maybe it was always Robert Sarver who was standing in the way. For what the Suns gave up, for all you Suns fans out there, I hope it works out. Because if it doesn't, it's an absolute disaster. And as far as the poet, Mr. Ross, is concerned, who <laughs> once was a three-point shooter from Nantucket, I'll leave it at that. 
<laughs> the Phoenix Suns are back in action tomorrow against the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Coming up next on Spears and Ali. What are you guys laughing about? He's always good for a bucket is the next line. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk some Arizona Wildcats basketball. So Zul Stubelis gets into foul trouble, only scores four points against the Stanford Cardinal. Courtney Ramey comes alive from three-point range. We're going to talk to Bruce Pascoe about Arizona and them splitting the barrier trip. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio. Welcome back to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. Arizona basketball moving to number eight in the AP Top 25. Let's talk about the latest with the Arizona Wildcats with Bruce Pascoe from the Arizona Daily Star. So, Bruce, uh, we were talking about it recently that, you know, one stat that jumps out to me when you look at the Arizona-Stanford game is that the Cardinal outscored the Wildcats 42-24 to in yeah. paint points. That's a stat you don't normally hear when it comes to this Arizona team. How did Stanford find a way to do that? Well, they they, uh, they did a lot to keep the ball up. They, they uh, switched really well when they knew that going in. They switched everything, apparently, because they're, they're a lot alike. They have, like, I mean, they have, like, almost – five guys out there that are all like six, seven, six, eight. And so they, they don't care who guards who. And they, they you know, that, that was a big part of the problem. And then, you know, I think, uh, obviously as Lewis Tabell is getting in foul trouble and, you know, say what you want about the fouls that were called on him. The fact is that he was in foul trouble, threw him out of his rhythm. So, you know, although frankly, he didn't even get the ball much when he was on the floor. So I, I really think it was a lot of what Stanford was doing just to keep, to keep the to keep the ball out there and, and let Arizona shoot threes and they did and it and it didn't hurt them it didn't hurt Stanford that yeah. did. Hey Bruce, so when uh, Azulis Tubelis got in foul trouble, I don't recall Tommy Lloyd utilizing this small ball lineup like he did at Stanford, which uh, I think he employed at the end of the first half and Arizona went on a 13-0 yeah. run. Despite the loss, is that something that could potentially benefit Arizona as it moves forward in March? Well, you know, I mean, certainly Tommy Lloyd is betting on that because that, the one thing I asked him was, you know, in that spot, considering Stanford did have some, you know, they did have some size. They got that Reno 7-1 up front. I mean, I asked him, do you think, you know, maybe in a spot would you go with uh, Henry Vesar or, or Dylan Anderson to kind of give you some size? And he said, no, I think we played the right guys. So I think it's, I mean, ideally he probably would prefer to have the size, but I think it's, he just he just thinks the top seven he's got are that much better regardless of the size and he's just dealing with it and 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 if that uh, you know maybe in a way it can help him create some mismatches of their own by being smaller maybe that's a good thing but it didn't didn't really work out against Stanford but like in a different matchup yeah like it could it, it could maybe help I mean certainly those top seven guys are are seeing all different things and learning how to react to everything and and Saturday learn how to or or experienced how to react when uh, their best player is basically gone. And all those things could help them in the long run, yeah. Bruce Pascoe from the Arizona Daily Star talking Wildcats basketball with Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. And uh, one uh, positive thing for Arizona against Stanford was Courtney Ramey uh, really stepping up from three-point range, uh, make, scoring 26 points, uh, had eight made three-pointers. Uh, what did you make of just how he was able to play this road trip, Bruce? Well, he was, he, you know, he was, he was solid in both games. And I, I think probably the thing that struck me the most is how, you know, somebody asked him in the, the, after the game in the press room and said, Hey, were you feeling it? What, what zone were you in shooting it? And Ramey just like shot it down. He's like, if I had my choice, 
I wouldn't be shooting those threes. I would be getting the ball inside. We got the two best big players, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what he was about. I mean, Tommy Lloyd kind of said the same thing. So maybe he drummed it into all the players that this is what we have to do. We have to be an inside out team. Um, but Ramey kind of felt conflicted about it, but he certainly played well. I mean, you, you can't say this. I mean, he took what was there and he, he was very efficient with it. eight of 16 threes. He was also pretty good, uh, you know, defensively and, and uh, you know, had, what, five assists, I think, or something as well. And 36 minutes, too. I mean, he, he played really well. There's no question about it. It's just a matter of that, you know, they, Arizona does not want Courtney Ramey to be the number one guy every game. It doesn't doesn't work for them. And I know that Arizona, we, we talked about points in the paint. They got dominated in that category. But one thing I, I really found maybe kind of encouraging for Arizona is that they can play a little bit without – Azulis Tubelis and Umar Ball, and I get it that it's against Stanford and they have a losing record, but I found it pretty interesting that they went into a small ball lineup and they had Cedric Henderson and Pella Larson playing the front court and they go on a 13-0 run, which I thought was pretty encouraging for them moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. They, You know, that 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 was something. I mean, they certainly played a lot of four out, but I think that was the dramatic difference, uh, you know, with, with Umar Bala, frankly, not getting the ball and being terribly effective himself, as, as well as Tabellas being a foul trouble. They kind of had to do that, and it, and it did pretty well. And that, that also speaks to why I think Lloyd said, hey, we got the right guys. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. So, And that's always been my thought was, you know, seven guys sound fine. It's working well for them. But I always thought if they had foul trouble or injuries, that it's not going to be sustainable. Now this time they had foul trouble, and you know at least in that sense they they were able to kind of uh, you know uh, make a substitute change with that small lineup that kind of worked for a spell there. Um, but you know it's still there's still just a really thin margin you kind of sense with this team, and and can that hold up? You know, I do apologize for my selective hearing, by the way. That's okay. I was that's deep okay. in my show notes. I didn't hear Ali ask that. That's okay. So put, to put a finer point on it, all, all Arizona fans and, and many in the press have been wondering who's going to be that eighth guy off the bench. But really, isn't Tommy Lloyd telling us there is no eighth guy? It's going to be yeah. these seven guys, <laughs> and we're going to play them in all kinds of different combinations. Is that what we can expect yeah. moving forward? Well, I mean, I don't know about going forward, but certainly to date, that's been the case. I mean, you know, I, I, he has said, hey, I really want one of these guys to step up. I think he would like Adama Ball to step up because he's got kind of that versatility and, you know, adds a little bit of shooting and can, he's got some size. Um, you know, Baystar is a guy that could, you know, he's got he's got a lot of upside, and but he's just not there, I think, you know maybe at this point of the season for them. And so he's just trusting who he's trusting. And, you know, a lot of head coaches were like this. You know, Sean Miller had teams like this where he just didn't trust the guys after a certain point. And so they've got to earn it back in practice. And it's getting – or in their, their limited opportunities in the game. And, and uh, that's you know, that's not really been, been happening. I mean, a bunch of guys played at, at Cal, but obviously that didn't change Lloyd's philosophy on the, on the game on Saturday. He still went with his seven, and I think he's still going to – uh, you know, in spots, and maybe they can develop that eighth guy, or the, I think if anything, it'll be a, a seven, you know, a half guy, probably a dollar ball. But but who knows? It's a you know, it's an interesting question. Bruce, you referenced that even when Tabellus was in the game, he really wasn't getting the ball. And I noticed, you know, Stanford was kind of packing it in, and it looked like it was really difficult yeah. to get the ball into Tabellus and Ballo. Was Stanford doing anything different than Arizona's seen all year defensively, or is it just they executed really well on that end? 
Well, well, they they were executing really well, and I think you know, and I think the thing that goes without saying, or kind of that you can also say, is they were playing really hard. They were really motivated. They've been underachieving this year. Stanford is not, you know, and and this, their expectations, frankly, were based on them playing pretty well against Arizona in two games late last season. They almost beat them in the Pac-12 tournament. Then they had almost everybody back, so everybody's thinking, okay, Stanford should be pretty good this year. Well, guess what? They weren't. So their chances now to have Arizona coming into their home court, not a lot of fans there at Maples, kind of one of those days. Arizona had a late game on Thursday. But, you know, they just had a lot of kind of mental advantages. And so I think that played into it as well. And then I think, um, you know, I think to kind of what I said before, I think just them switching maybe it was a little bit differently. You know, they're, they're used to, uh, you, know, you know, they've had a lot of success. Obviously, a lot of what they do is predicated on screens, but Stanford was defending them differently. And I, I think that that was a little problematic for them, too. And I don't remember ever seeing a game where the other team made so many at-the-buzzer shots against Arizona than I did Saturday at Palo Alto. Like yeah, there was, there was some of that. I mean, they, you know, that's the thing, too. They, you know, Arizona's defense wasn't great, but Stanford was really, you know, hitting some tough shots. And, you know, and, and that also is just was one of those things. And maybe it's because they just wanted it super bad or maybe they got lucky or who knows, but it just, it's just one of those things. They were, they, it was really a, you know, remarkable performance. And, and I think uh, other people have said it, but, but it's one of those things where I thought Stanford would be better than they were too this year. And you just walk away from that game saying, why isn't Stanford like this more often? What, what's the deal there? That they've got these guys. Um, you know, they're experienced, they're, they're big. They, they've got, you know, Harrison Ingram was a McDonald's small American. I mean, what's, what's the deal? And yeah. so that, you know, it's, it's in that sense, when you look at it that way, uh, you know, Arizona losing that Stanford it, it isn't, you know, isn't all that surprising, but it's just the fact that because Stanford hasn't played well, it's really going to hurt them and the, the power ratings and, and possibly the seeding and everything else. Well, looking at Arizona's NCAA tournament resume, so now they fall to number eight in the AP poll. Uh, the Wildcats, that was their first loss to a quad two team. Uh, they were five and zero against quad two teams going into that game. Uh, they're six and two against quad one teams, but a couple of losses against some, some teams with losing records isn't really great for your resume, Bruce. So when you look at just the entire body of work by the Arizona Wildcats up until this point, how do you think they stack up going into the NCAA tournament? What do you think is their maybe projected seeding? Well, right now, I think, you know, uh, I think CBS updated theirs, and they had them at, at three, and that certainly seems um, about right at this point, you know, because they still have a lot on their resume and the positive, um, but they, you know, they're, they're, you know, and I think more importantly, well, maybe just as important, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're really hurting their chances of staying in the West, and the West region this year is Las Vegas, and there's no place they'd probably rather be than Las Vegas if they could get there. Granted, that assumes you win the first two games, which is never never a safe assumption, but um, now they're looking at a three maybe in the East or something, and, and, you know, and that's still a pretty good seed, but, it's, you know, it's not it's not being a one or two and staying in the West, and that, that's, what, that's the danger zone they've fallen into. Not only is Stanford loss, but probably more so is the Washington State home loss, which was a kind of qualifies right now anyway as a, as a quad three loss because uh, it was at home. So that, that those are bad. But Washington State also, you know, kind of like Stanford, they're not a bad team. They just haven't done it this year for some reason, and, and, and they, they kind of rose up and played there the way they, they probably – could have, you know, in a lot of games and, and did that to Arizona. So Arizona's got caught on a couple of, couple of tough ones here. And, 
And those two teams that they lost to, the fact that those two teams haven't played well for most of the season is really going to hurt Arizona. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, three seed and maybe, you know, their range probably they have five games left here. Their range probably could still be two to, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe five if they really bomb out. I don't, they won't, I don't think they will, but, uh, but, you know, I think three to three to four, two to four is certainly where we're looking at right now. Bruce Pascoe from the Arizona Daily Star joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. Make sure you follow Bruce on Twitter and check out his work and coverage on the Arizona Wildcats on Tucson.com and the Wildcaster app. Bruce, always appreciate you. Thank you as always. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is presented by Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson, Tucson Federal Credit Union, and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Coming up next on ESPN Tucson, the NBA trade deadline was pretty wild. We'll take a look on what's going on in the Western Conference and how the standings shape up. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears and Ali here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM and the Spears and Ali podcast. ESPN Tucson invites you to the 98th annual Parada de los Vaqueros. Again, it's a, not vaqueros. 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 You look a little energy, man. The... <laughs> uh, can you, can you roll your eyes? R's? Yeah. Look. Rojo. Parada. Parada. Parada yeah. de los vaqueros. Again. Vaqueros. Ba- the V sounds more like a B. Vaqueros. There you go. The Tucson Rodeo Parade. On Thursday, February 23rd, it's starting at 9 a.m. The parade kicks off at Ajo and Park. To see the parade Park. route, bathroom locations, <laughs> ticketed grandstand, <laughs> grandstand, seat availability, <laughs> Parking and more, go to ESPNTucson.com. You know, it's the, my favorite, like, uh, newscasts are the ones that, you know, like it's a female Latin reporter. Yeah. She's like, you know, and the rain came down quite hard today in, in Tucson, but it's going to be sunny skies tomorrow, high 70, low 46. This is Maria Rivera, <laughs> Channel 13 News. It's <laughs> the best. <laughs> It's so good. So good. <laughs> uh, Andrew, get the Say It Ain't So clip ready. Okay. Zion Williamson out through all-star break after re-aggravating a hamstring injury. I feel, I, I feel like this one might be better. Oh, there's a big surprise. <laughs> or that, too. Yeah, Zion, Zion Williamson somehow related to Anthony Davis? And does he take the mantle of street clothes now? <laughs> uh... He's still got some work to do. Yeah. He's still got some work yeah. to do. Yeah. All right. Anthony Data Davis. <laughs> Data hey, Davis. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, you never? No. You never, Anthony Data Davis. Yeah, he's Hey, he, he's playing. I mean. <laughs> this year, yeah. I, I think he's, he's still a little hurt, yeah. to be honest with you, because he's not playing to the level that you expect. He's playing like at an MVP level earlier this year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. So, hey, look, man. Anthony Davis, still the number one street clothes guy. Zion Williamson, not far behind. Coming He's getting up there. Coming for that crown. Yeah. Um, the Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic duo, uh, they first played with each other on Saturday, and they they combined for 55 points, 16 rebounds, and 12 assists. Um, what, do you, what do you make of this? Those the, are like uh, – Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson numbers. Well, they <laughs> they lost, even though yeah, that they combined for those, they Three still found a way to lose. I'm like, okay, they're playing together for the first time. Clearly, they're going to beat the Kings. Yeah. No, but no. 
But no, they have to ruin my parlay. Hey, give credit to the Kings, man. Light the beam. Devonta Sabonis and those guys those playing good this year. One of the Very most surprised. fun teams to watch in the NBA is the Sacramento Kings. Which is crazy to say nowadays. I know. It's, it's um, what it is. But after the NBA trade deadline, Ollie, we it's I think it's safe to say that the Western Conference got top to bottom better. Yeah. You know, John Morant was saying, ah, nobody in the West scares me. Just the Boston Celtics. Well, the Grizzlies currently sit at the number two seed, but you got those pesky Kings right there at number three. You got the Dallas Mavericks adding Kyrie Irving at number four. The Phoenix Suns, after acquiring Kevin Durant via trade and uh, getting Terrence Ross in the buyout market, they're at number five. You got the uh, Clippers at number six, the Pelicans at number seven, the Minnesota Timberwolves at number eight, the defending champs and the Golden State Warriors at number nine, Oklahoma City Thunder 10, Utah Jazz 11, Trailblazers 13, and the Los Angeles Lakers at 13. So Trailblazers at 12, Lakers at 13, Rockets and Spurs are your last two teams in the Western Conference. Big game, Lakers-Portland uh, tonight. A uh, game they need to win if they're going to try to start making a run towards being playoff eligible. What's most delicious about the current rankings is if the playoffs started today, we're going to a seven-game series between the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Kyrie on one side, Durant on the other the ghost of Christmas past with what Dallas did to Phoenix last year. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of juicy uh, bylines there. What do they call it? Storylines. New, new, news lines. Yeah. By, bylines are the names. That Tell you what, man. Uh, Denver, Denver's good. Denver's, uh, I think, a strong number one. And you're going to see – I mean, the Lakers at 13 are separated by – just a few games. Four games in the loss column to the fourth seed right now. Yeah. So anything can happen in the Wild Wild West. And you feel like the Lakers can get out on a stretch. There's a, a period in time this season where they play like the Rockets and the Spurs and I think the Warriors too. Like there's a, a, a stretch where they should win like eight or of the, of the nine games there. And if they don't dominate that stretch, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, the Lakers already have their work cut out for them this year, but – I mean, they're a team that we feel like, hey, after the NBA trade deadline, because they got Mo Bamba, who's now shooting threes. I don't know if you know this. I, I saw it today, yeah. Mo, Last game of his uh, suspension because he got in a fight or something. Mo Bamba, yeah. yeah. So and then, we've been seeing less Mamba. No, no, we, we want Mo we're, Bamba. We're, we're like, I love all Laker fans like talking into, oh, man, Mo, we got Mo Bamba. I tell you what, of the trade deadline acquisitions that Lakers made, based on what I've seen thus far, that Jared Vanderbilt guy, yeah, looks to me like the we hit a home run. Absolutely, him, and he was kind of a throw-in in, mm-hmm. in the D'Angelo Russell trade. But you know, they they without uh, LeBron, they they took Milwaukee to the limit. They beat Golden State a couple of nights ago. I know that Steph wasn't playing, but everybody else was. Exactly, so. and uh, you know, if they take care of business tonight, I think they're at it's it at Portland or at LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's at Portland. So that's a tough place to play, the Rose Garden. Rose Garden, yeah. Rip City. But uh, the standings, man, I think it's going to be a crazy. It's going to be a crazy uh, stretch run uh, after the All Star break, both in the Western Conference and in the Eastern Conference. But for my money right now, if I had to, if I had to put money on it, I could see either Boston or Milwaukee versus Denver. To me, Denver and Memphis are the best teams in the West. Yeah, but I, I'm not buying Memphis. If, no. if Dylan Brooks is the second-best player on the Grizzlies, he's not. I'm not buying it. He's not. He's, was it Jaron Jackson? You might think he is, right? Okay. That was, like I saw a little uh, – uh, I saw a tweet today 
and I swear it's got to be my older cousin's uh, burner account because, you know, one was like a, a, a line from Fletch, you know, what, what, what kind of name is whatever and whatever. I'm not going to say it on here. But the other one was about Reggie Jackson and the Reggie bar. And every time you eat it, it tells you how good it is. Yeah. Yeah, just like Reggie Jackson. <laughs> uh, Catfish Hunter, that was a quote from him, his teammate. I think the Lakers are a solid team that could possibly make a run. But if anyone made, was a big winner of the trade deadline, obviously the Phoenix Suns. Because now their ceiling's high. Because once, Ali, it looked like their championship window was pretty much done. It was close. Now when you add a guy like Kevin Durant, it opens things back up, but you're also punting away your future. So you have a couple of years for this to work out. And if it doesn't, then good luck to you. And I I think, like I said, for the Phoenix Suns, it raises their ceiling completely. But we've seen what happens with these kind of teams. Sometimes it doesn't work out this way. With super teams, it doesn't work out the way that they want it to. When you trade away everything for a 35-year-old, aging superstar who's still at the top of his game who's still really good yeah. right like this isn't like the lakers getting carl malone and gary payton no this is a guy that has a major impact on what they do no he's great um and it's going to help the suns i mean we're going to see what kind of depth they have you like you mentioned they added uh terrace ross in the buyout market but uh you know chris paul uh booker kevin durant deandre ayton did i already say him yeah no uh, you did none but I mean, that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty formidable uh, front line at for, for, for top four. Then you had a guy like T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross, and Suns are going to be. They're going to. They're going to have to be contended with. You tell your number one overall pick, and a top five point guard of all time. Hey guys, we got reinforcements on the way. You could take a little bit of a little bit of a backseat. You don't have to be that dude, Chris Paul. We don't need you to go fourteen for fourteen in a game six against the Pelicans. Thank right. God. <laughs> no, they're good. You don't need them. And good. I give credit to their new owner, Matt Ishbia, who is a Dave Hickey doppelganger. If you haven't seen him <laughs> talk, it's spot it's, on. It's so, yeah, it's spooky. The, the cadence, the everything. I was like, oh, and they kind of even look alike. And Dave Hickey's a handsome man, so this is a compliment in case you're listening, Dave. Um, Matt Ishbia going all in and doing things that Robert Sarver would never do. And the number one thing, other than the four draft choices they gave away unprotected first, other than, you know, uh, the uh, the players they gave away who they really liked and Bridges and um, Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson. He added $40 million to the payroll uh, with the luxury tax by doing yeah. this deal. Robert Sarver would have never done that. Yeah. So however it turns out, give Matt Ishbia, the new owner, credit for going for it. Absolutely. All right, if you want to join the show, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. We're wrapping up our number one of Spears and Ali right here on ESPN Tucson. Super Bowl 57 was amazing. We'll talk about the game itself at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Plus, we'll hear from uh, Tyler Dragon from Arizona Sports. He was in Phoenix. Uh, Tyler Drake, sorry. Tyler Drake. They're similar, but, you know. Yeah. So yeah, Ty, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk to uh, Tyler Drake coming up at four uh, ten. Uh, he will tell us everything about Arizona or Arizona this weekend. I mean, shoot, we had Super Bowl fifty seven, waste management, Phoenix Open, Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix Suns, the Arizona Cardinals. They're gonna hire a well, they didn't they didn't hire a new head coach yet. Yeah. Not not yet. Yeah, no, they're being think about really... all these things that have happened. and The Cardinals are just kind of yeah. 
Hey, we're still. Hey, you know, at least they have. The one thing as an owner of a, <laughs> any kind of organization is you don't want to be compared to Jim Irsay, but it's unavoidable. The only two organizations without a coach right now are the Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals. And think of all the coaches that they've let go that or they that passed them by. And I think a lot of them turned them down because of Kyler Murray. And I'm glad we're going to talk to Tyler Drake about it because he's one of the Drake. Uh, he's a Drake worth listening to. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah come on now. Come on now. <laughs> There's no litmus test. Oh man. All right. So Super Bowl commercials. Any any ones that stand out to you? Not really. I mean, the the one, the Tubi, just because everybody's talking about it, that great job. Uh, I know you drove everybody crazy, but your your job, if you're paying $7 million for a 30-second spot, is for everybody to talk about you. Oh, yes. And then that uh, that HR, you know, whatever, just because you call yourself, because you got a, you're a rock star as an HR professional, doesn't make you an actual rock star. Because <laughs> Paul Stanley was awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think there was anything that was, like, hugely... Uh, impactful. How about yeah. You? No, I, I l- love the the fact that Snoop Dogg is diving into Skechers commercials now. Uh, Making Skechers cool. Skechers eight. Hey, and now they smell a little skunky. Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart, <laughs> <laughs> giving a shout out to Skechers and being a part of their commercials. And they definitely hooked up, right? Who Martha, Martha Stewart, Stewart and Snoop Dogg? Dogg yeah. <laughs> hey. Friends with benefits. Hey. I'm, I'm, I'm minding my business. All right. Let, let them. It's all good. Con- just... The conversation was had, for yeah. sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Breaking Bad is my favorite show of all time. and More than The Sopranos. More than The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah barely, though. Yeah. It's Both great shows. Really good shows. Yeah. But Breaking Bad uh, has a special place in my heart. Um, I've seen it five times all the way through. And wow. it's, it, it's a really great show. And the fact that Brian Cranston... And is it uh, Aaron Paul, the who, who plays Jesse Pinkman? I think it's Aaron Paul. Yeah, I mean, uh, those two guys have maintained a really good relationship beyond Breaking Bad. Like they have their own tequila brand together, and now they're in a Popcorners commercial doing their bit when Breaking Bad, which which I was, thought was really cool. So is Brian Cranston in the top ten of? celebrities you just would want to hang out with from what every everything you know about him because i've listened to him on podcasts i've seen him in comedies like uh uh what, what is the 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 one with um malcolm in the middle no not well malcolm <laughs> in the middle was one oh my god that's right yeah uh, the the guy that did ozark um jason bateman jason bateman yeah what, what was that show called with jason just uh it was this really good anyway ozark <laughs> no not ozark <clears throat> Anyway, uh, he's had a lot of comedic roles. He's yeah. a lot of, had a lot of dramatic roles. I've listened to him on a lot of podcasts. And I think Brian Cranston comes off as one of the most humble, coolest dudes that you would ever want to hang out with. 100%. Would love to hang out with him. And if you need some meth, he probably got you too. <laughs> the good stuff. You need, the you stuff need... that Tuco Salamanca approves of. Yeah, yeah. You need to watch the show. Breaking Bad. That's from Breaking Bad. Ozarks. That's what it Ozark. was. <laughs> what do you think about the small ball lineup for U of A? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk Super Bowl 57. Coming up to begin hour number two of Spears and Ali. If you want to call in and join the show, 719-1490 is that phone number. Stay tuned.